Joy Radio Free Brooklyn. This is what Brooklyn sounds like. Hey, it's time for Dr. Lisa Gimsnishit. And I'm Dr. Lisa. How you doing? Oh my God, it is such a big day. It is such a big day for me. I'm flipping out. I have like this incredible guest who I've wanted on in for so long. And then I also have a live show tonight. So I'm a little bit, I'm going to be like a little bit, you know, over, I'm uh, blah, you know, just hyped, I'm hyped. Okay, cool. But um, thanks for listening. You know, I'm Dr. Lisa. I'm a self-proclaimed psychotherapist. I'm here every Thursday, 2 to 3, on Radio Free Brooklyn, which is the greatest radio station in the Western Hemisphere. Um, Because I've listened to all of them in the Western Hemisphere, and I guarantee you this is the best. So you should, um, you know, we have um, just so much great programming, everything you can imagine, everything you can imagine from politics, comedy, talk, music, every kind of music, whatever the fuck you want, it's here, it's here. So you should uh, support us, look at our website, sign up for our newsletter, donate money. We are very poor, very, very 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 poor and we do a lot of really good shit for the community okay all right it's worth it um i also have something else to tell you do you know that um this is cancer cancer screenings for men health month did you know this is men's health month i did not know that i thought every month was men's health month isn't that the problem we're all complaining about that men get too much attention and privilege but anyway we do care about men and i i personally care about men and uh you should get um what kind they want you to have a positive step towards the cancer services program of brooklyn brooklyn hopes you'll use this time positive step to preventing all forms of cancer including colorectal that's ass cancer um Historically, men are less likely to get screened for colorectal cancer, uh, yet men get it more often than women. If you are over 45 years of age, call your health care provider, okay? So I'm just going to give you the number of, uh, and if you don't have insurance, whatever. I know this this is a mess, but I refuse to read this whole thing word for word. So it's CSP, that's uh, Cancer Screening prevention, something like that. Just call 718-250-8708. But in all seriousness, um, cancer screening is really important. And if you don't have health insurance or you just can't afford it, that number is 718-250-8708. That is not a joke. Okay. Now we are getting to our guest. Our guest today is Ben Davis. Um, I have uh, I have a art critic crush on Ben Davis because he is my absolute favorite. I think this is the first time we may have met Ben, but this is definitely was, yeah. but this is definitely the first time we're having like a real conversation because we're both a little shy. Maybe I am shy. I am shy socially. Depends on what day you uh, you, you meet me. Really. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I think I'm. A, I think I'm an introvert. I think I'm an introvert extrovert. Yeah, I think I'm a little like you. I think I'm. A, yeah, like you're probably gr- you're a great speaker. I know that for sure. 
But then, like, if I cor- if you get cornered by somebody you don't know and you don't know what they want, maybe you're a little bit like, mm, I don't know what to make of this person. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, here's what I want to tell you about Ben. And this is like a little bit of counter-transference, Ben, because I have um, authority figure issues. But anyway, here's the reason I really um, have a lot of respect for Ben's work, which I know a lot better than Ben personally, but we are going to get to know Ben a little bit personally, is because I see Ben, Ben kind of speaks for people like me. Whenever I read, Ben is the, um, um, wait, I'll tell you what his title is. He's the uh, uh, art critic, national art critic since since 2016 for Artnet News. That's a really big deal. And he was also, in 2019, Harvard's, Neiman Journal, the lab, the journalism school or whatever, Harvard, named Davis as one of the five most influential art critics in the United States, which actually gives me hope about art. So um, here's the thing. Um, Ben doesn't seem to, he seems to be able to really articulate the truth, get down to what's what the truth is, first of all, which in the art world, which is, you know, subjective and um, oblique and weird and ego-driven and money-driven and all that stuff, Ben, to me, is able to just cut through all that and really call it out in a factual yet entertaining yet real way. And Ben really goes to... Like, he goes and he has the experience. Like, he'll go and he'll really cover, you know, he covered this um, NFT conference, and it was hilarious. It was, he's written so many things that that really, really um, strike a chord with me. And mostly, I am very cynical about a lot of art writing and stuff like that. And I think Ben will, will, will join me in that. Uh but, um, okay, I'm going to talk a little bit more about you, Ben, and then we're going to talk great. again. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm loving this, hearing about how great I am. <laughs> okay, first of all, um, Ben is really well known for a book that he published um, a few years ago, 9.5 Thesis on Art and Class. But recently, very recently, he has published a new book called Art in the After Culture. And... Uh, it's gotten like, you know, it has all the, uh, Ben, okay, I'm going to re- read you what this Tre- Trevor P- 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 Peglin wrote. He wrote, he's a big deal, okay? If you don't know who he is, he's big deal art writer. Ben Davison is, is an essential guide to the politics of culture in the 21st century. Um, the book is thoughtful, deep thinking, but also entertaining. And really, you know, I, I ordered it online, Ben. I thought it was going to be, like, really thick, and I would never be able to get through it. But it's it's like half the thickness that <laughs> that I was afraid. I think I'm I think, really glad you say that, because that's, like, one of my big worries about it is that it's too long. Oh, no, no, no. It's perfectly fine. I, I haven't really gotten through. I just got it. I just got it. That's the truth. Um, but also what I want to say is that Ben is also articulate and he's able to put into words exactly what I think, but I don't know how to say it. I mean, I could never say it. He's taken seriously. He can be a rebel and be taken seriously. And the one example I was going to use, Ben, is what you, 
uh, this one article, just so people can understand what what I'm saying about you. Uh, what I mean is that you wrote this article in Artnet, I think it was last year, whatever. Uh, I look, do you guys know who Beeple is? Beeple is this guy who uh, became famous for his NFT because he it sold for $69 million at Christie's? Christie's, yeah. Christie's. And Ben wrote this whole article where he looked through it looked like a big mess like just a big collage of digital images like a like if you put 5000 images together um in a jpeg that's what it looked like but ben actually went through all 5000 images in a weekend and he really looked at every image and he discovered a lot of ugly shit. Will you give us just a few examples and how you felt when you found those examples? And I'm going to go run and turn off the air conditioner because it'll make noise. Uh, sure. Uh, yeah, well, that, that's funny. That's, that, that really was one of the big articles that I, one of the biggest articles I've ever written. And yeah, this is very uh, uh, high profile sale. And um, completely changed the conversation about uh, digital art, and um, kickstarted the whole art world craze with NFTs. But this was a collage of images of five thousand days. This guy posts an image every day, and then if you go back, so he's been posting for ten years, you know, which has been a couple of vibe shifts. And if you go back to the beginning, there's, you know, all this. Uh, um, you know, images, caricatures of black people. There's, there's all this kind of like body stuff. Racist shit, man. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Racist, I mean, sexist, I, I, misogynist I, I, shit. Yeah, you know, like, uh, you know, uh, pornographic stuff. You know, kind of just bro humor, essentially bro humor. Yeah. Stuff that stuff that probably didn't uh, the people didn't um, bat an eye about in in 2007, but that now really dates the work. And, you know, he's apologized. He's been asked about this many, many times. He's apologized for it. And and to me, one of the, it just, look, I mean, it just shows you the kind of moment we're in where um, someone paid $69 million for this thing. It's seen amount of money. It's the third biggest art sale by some measures of all time. And I don't think the people who bought it looked through it, you know? And that, that to me, is like the real heart of it is it just really shows, um, you know, how just... The, the, the madness that we're in right now. and and that that really caused a storm didn't it when that when the article you wrote came out sure it caused a storm the storm passed you know it's no, like no people- but i mean a lot of art critics i think if i remember correctly there were a lot of art critics who didn't look at all the images were, re- were reacting to it in sort of like i had no idea kind of way right this is so bad i had no idea not just art critics but that was there was that response to it, no? Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I think that. Well, I mean, it's sort of the kind of uh, article that, um, you know, I mean, you just you write something like that, you know how it's gonna people are gonna react because people are very visual, and and this it's like it's like you can see it's not just me writing about it. It's like me finding well, what, digging up digging up stuff. Yeah, you so sep- people can look at it, see it, see. Kind of, you separated kind of, out a lot of the images that we're talking about. And you can see it in Artnet. I'll post it also on my um, website or my uh, Facebook page, whatever, when I post the article. But post Yeah, it's it. interesting. I mean, by some measures, that's got to be like uh, um, uh, there was a moment when Bloomberg did an article shortly after that 
um, where there was this like mini crash in the NFT market. You could you could see um, um, prices drop and um, like like knocking you know a, a couple dozen mm-hmm. million uh, dollars off the value of this thing. Mm-hmm. So like this be some measure. That's probably the most impactful. Um, in financial terms, piece of writing I, I've ever done because you because because the nature of what we're dealing with, you could see this happen in real time, and you know uh, Bloomberg would write about it and, and say very directly, it's like okay, so there's been this pullback in NFTs, and that's partly because of they become associated with uh, you know bro humor essentially, and you know link to link to my article, but that you know it, it should, the 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 money um, money will do money will make people overlook a lot of things. So it's like, you know, the conversation rolls on and, uh, and here we are. And so, NFTs haven't gone away. So, so I'm curious. And I'm like, still writing about them. And you're still writing. Yeah. And you, you're, you are actually pretty deep into the NFT stuff, right? You're, you know a lot about it. Or you, you're commenting on it because you comment a lot on, um, um, well, like it's, I think it's really poli- interesting, right? Yeah, because like, you're interested in politics, economics, and contemporary art, like kind of how they all how they all match together. I'm also interested in in subculture. I'm interested in technology, um, and well, look, NFTs. This is a big, big story. I mean, it's really like uh, um, attracted a lot of attention. I mean, I just probably get more requests to talk about that than mm-hmm. than other things right now, mm-hmm. and. I, I, and I think that says something about NFTs and how our economy is kind of a casino right now, and and people are really hungry for community and for mm-hmm. some kind of promise of a better future, mm-hmm. and and that attracts a lot of attention to NFTs. Um, on the one hand, and I think it also says a little bit something about the art world too. You know, oh, that yeah. feels very inaccessible to people, and you know, there's always excitement when someone finds some a work of art in their closet, and then. It turns out to be like an important artwork and sells for a lot of money. People know that story very well, uh, but um, but other than that, I don't think the average person sees themselves in the art world very much. No, like it's like not an avenue for them to uh, to um, for their aspirations. Uh, so, well, I don't think the art world is really trying to communicate with. I think it's you know. Um, Kind of in a, it's. I think you use the word snobby, right? Did you use? <laughs> well, I have the, my book has some. We, Cons- I talk about uh, snobbiness and uh, 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 snobbiness and blind imitation of fashion, as well as some representation of legitimate human human aspirations. <laughs> I like the way you put that. See, I would. I just think like the art world's such bullshit, and you just write that, and then like it, like it sounds exactly like what I'm thinking. But man, now now I get what you mean it sounds so eloquent so i'm really curious to know like what your view is on like other art writers and on and like the art world in general and like do you feel like you're part of that and like how because you're a very well-respected writer and you're in the situation that i'm sure you know you you are invited to things you're at things you're with people who have a lot more conventional views than you do, right? Do you think so? Sure, do you see yeah. yourself that way, or am I just projecting it all on you? Um, I want you to be like beating up all these people for me. Yeah, I mean, you want the tea. Um, you know, I'll be honest with you. Like, I try and read uh, my peers, and I, I try and read other writers. Yeah, I don't know how many people do that. I mean, I mean, I genuinely don't think like you go back to a different era of art writing 
And it feels like there are a lot more debates between writers. You know, ah. people like staking out positions and like, oh, I this and or thinking like this critic's really important, so I have to take that person ah, down. Wow. Um, and um, it, I, I don't even know. Like, I can't remember the last time that really happened. You know, mm-hmm. like I'm really sharply drawing lines about about what was important. Um, I used to make it a point um, of trying to read uh, once a month, like really go through all the magazines mm-hmm. and, and try and, mm-hmm. and try and find the good stuff, you know, because mm-hmm. I, I think that I do think that uh, that um, there needs to be conversation between different writers. I mean, it's just really unhealthy for people to be talking to themselves and stuff like, so I used to do that and I know how long that takes. Like that's actually like an investment of time. It takes sure. like, a day or two to like mm-hmm. um, just find the stuff that, that you think, is worthwhile then to read it, decide if it actually is worthwhile then to figure out what you have to say about it. Um, I I don't know that there are a lot of people doing, doing that, that kind of work, you know? Uh, uh, I think that, you know, one of the effects of the last 10 years is that, you know, the social media conversation is the real conversation that, that people are having. And it's a much more, um, you know, it's a much more permeable conversation. So it like bleeds over into, 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 into other stuff faster and, pop culture mm-hmm. into, into politics too. do you think art critics have less influence than they used to i'm probably saying that what does that mean i'm not i'm not exactly sure um uh in some ways they 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 some ways individual art critics might have more um influence uh they're just it attention is really asymmetrical like we talked about that um i talked about this in the book but we talked about that people article that's probably like the most one of the most read things i've ever done you know yeah. because it Hit at the right time at a thing that nobody else um, had said. It was very visual. It was scandalous. Mm-hmm. Um, it affected, uh, you know, there was money involved and celebrity. Um, important, powerful people got egg on their face because it had responded to it. Um, it hit a lot of the the buttons and and like just got a tremendous response. Um, and so, at some moments, I'm feeling like you know more people are looking at what I do than have ever looked at anything that I've written and getting an amount of attention that, you know, art writing usually doesn't. And then other times, you know, you're writing and you just feel like you're totally alone. I mean, this is nice to talk to you. Actually. Yeah, yeah. It's, no, like, I'm it's, telling it's, it's you. It's like you're, you're, you're saying all these nice things about me and I'm like... But you're, but you're like, you're sort of operating. I think, you know, I think that's common with all creative people. And, you know, um, I certainly feel like that. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, you just... You know, a lot of time, we are a lot of, all... You'd be surprised at how little. I mean, I I know the big um, I, uh, art critics, um, and you know, you'd be surprised the people who write for the New Yorker, or New York Times, that you talk to them, and they're like, you say a nice word about something they wrote, and they're like, wow, it's so amazing to have that kind of feedback. Really? I never, wow. Yeah. I, I never get like I, I feel I like so alone, and that's definitely how I feel. Yeah, um, I want to point out though to 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 you guys listening that um, I used like the biggest, most uh, boldest example of what you you of what Ben writes, guys. But I mean, there's also I have these other headlines that are about things like um, the museum as nail salon is the museum as nail salon <laughs> the greatest idea to emerge from lockdown. So I'm saying like your work is very consistent and and I really like it because I think it's I think it's kind of radical. Um but 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 very, you know, you're the national well, art critic for 
uh, very high profile art, you know, art net and art blog that, uh, so I'm saying like you're, you're, you, you're in a position where you can kind of like speak truth to power. I don't know. I hate, I hate using a term, but like you made fun of cause, like why cause, do you guys know who Cause is? It was a big show at the Brooklyn Museum. I'm and, sure if uh, there's one artist they know, it's maybe Cause. Maybe Cause, yeah. So why Cause global success may well be a symptom of a depressed culture adrift <laughs> in nostalgia and retail therapy. Well, look, yeah, wait, I want to say something, Lisa. You know, I don't, know, I don't necessarily write my own headline. <laughs> oh, you don't? You don't? But listen to this. Listen to this. Let me finish this. After Community, this is, a, this is down, down in the article. After Community, the second most... Oh, this was from an article that you wrote about an NFT NF, uh, conference in New York City. Right. After Community, you covered the whole thing beautifully. I love that. It was a four-parter. After Community, the second most used word at the NFT.NS NYC is probably rich. As in, do you want to be rich? The speakers ask the audience variations on that question a lot. So I'm trying to paint a picture of Ben to you guys where he's, we talked about the most famous thing that he's known for, but he's consistent in sort of sticking it to the man. As far as I, I see, does, is that an accurate Am I just, I don't know that, I mean, I am not nearly as educated about art, the art world, what's going on, but does that sound like an accurate uh, description of you to you, Ben? It's, it's interesting. I mean, I, 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 I write a lot a little because, I mean, I don't, I don't like, well, look. I, I don't say that's your goal. You no, know what? No, it's I know. not I mean, your it's goal. Like, it's not, it's not my goal. I mean, I guess I just, here's the thing is that. The last 10 years, particularly the last five years or so since the kind of Trump moment, I was starting a little before that, have been really politicized in the art world, you know, mm-hmm. in its way, you know, mm-hmm. in its self-contained kind of like talking to itself kind of way. Like everything is political. I mean, I remember um, just after Trump got a, a election, like a headline we ran, that's like activism is the hot trend at the at the NADA art fair. <laughs> you know, it's like, and And it's like. I, I think that um, I I had a certain. The thing is, I just don't think sticking it to the man is is well, that's is, is the point because I I, I just think because I think that um, the point should be to try and and um, you know build things to that go beyond the art world and sometimes I think that the the, the idea of like taken down the art world is a little bit like a, a, a parochial kind of interest. Well, you're you know? so it's like much a, more mature than I am, Ben. I, was just I know. Kinda, I was just kind of like, I was just kind of summing it up. But I mean, part of what I'm really trying to get to here is that I see you as a very well-respected writer. There's no way around that. But I also see you as somewhat of an outsider. And I wonder if you feel like an outsider if you are right. treated like an outsider or is that just my like you know i'm the kid in the back of the classroom snarking and i'm just wondering are you in the back of the classroom too or am i making that up i'm maybe somewhere in the middle of the classroom i mean um <laughs> and, and which which was actually probably where i really was in the classroom um i uh like do you feel like when you go to like there's a, a lot of stuff i don't do there's a lot of stuff i don't do i'm like, not what do you mean as in, like, I'm not, like, on the scene a lot. 
you know? Okay. And I, I, I don't, I, I don't, um, I don't go to art fairs anymore. You know, I used to really? be assigned to art fairs. My editor doesn't think I'm very good at covering them. <laughs> and, and, and as you know, you've written about these kind of spectacles, uh, five, 10, 15 times, and you kind of like try and come up with ways to write them that, you know, legit justify your time and, and do justice to, you know, the kind of, little scraps of hope they represent for artists, but also, you know, take account of like the kind of grossness of the whole thing. And there's only so many ways you can thread that needle or balance that do that balancing act where it's like, um, you know, I, I, I wrote, you write super critical piece. You write the counterintuitive um, piece that like tries to recover things from it. At a certain point, I think the last real art fair I went, I, I actually just wrote a piece of, uh, of fiction, uh, you know, that was like imagining that I was like trapped inside this, that the art fair was a giant maze that I was, oh that I was, God, that I I was trapped that. in. That to just, is true. To just kind of like um, uh, bring out the surrealism of the whole thing. Yeah. And you just hit a kind of a dead end. You know, it's these, the, the, the kind of. Do you of, find them repetitive? Art fairs? Um, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Now, is that because, uh, is that just because the art itself is repetitive? Um, may, maybe so. But, you know, the kind of glad handing um, rubs you the wrong way and all that stuff. I'm a, I, but I'm a, I'm a friendly person, you know, yeah. and, and I like. I, I'm interested in other people's points of view right. and I'm, I'm, I, I'm interested, um, you know, in being, in being part of the conversation, being in there talking right. to people I, I rather than, rather than, that. rather than, rather than even something like NFT NYC, which I, I am very, you know, was, was pretty ridiculous spectacle and all. Um, like I'm more, I, I, I'm really, I, I'm just, the distinction I'm trying to draw, I guess, Lisa, and it's maybe a kind of a psychoanalytic you know, um, thesis. I think maybe one of the reasons we connect or get along is, you know, the very first thing I wrote out of out of college, you know, um, was like a little mini manifesto. It was like towards a psychoanalytic theory of art criticism. Oh. It was like when I was like 21. And, um, you know, I think, you know, you have to pass through the fantasy with people. You know, mm-hmm. you, you have to, you can't, you, you, there's not a lot of use to criticism that just comes at it from the outside. You don't right. listen to what people are saying. You don't know their points of reference right. and you just tell them they're wrong or they're bad. Yeah. Like you have to go get in there with them, I, listen to them, totally kind of figure agree. it out. I totally And then agree. the criticism lands. A bit and on. you also like, I mean, as much as I'm bashing, art world bashing, I have gotten, I mean, you know, I have the gift uh, that I've gotten from the art that I have been a witness to is immeasure has had an yeah. immeasurable i mean it's and you know and all sorts of artists and well-known ones and not well-known ones it's a really it's shitty a really privileged um fucked up world you know it's like and it's full of insecurities and just tensions you know i was just in venice for work covering the the big um venice mm-hmm. biennale there and, you know, everyone always talks about, like, how disgusting the, the wealth is. You know, there's all this, like, yeah. mega yacht culture. Yeah. And, yeah. and I was just there and thinking, it's like, that's not actually the worst part for me. Like, because I can ignore that. I mean, I'm not invited to those parties. I'm, mm-hmm. I, I don't get to go on the yacht. But the worst part about it is, like, you know, the constant sense of professional desperation that everyone you meet. Or it's like everyone, my yeah. friend Carolina Miranda, um, her husband, who's not in the art world, um, he calls art world people the nervous chickens because <laughs> every time you're in a room with them, they're always looking over the shoulder to see if there's someone better to talk to. Don't you think that's probably true at like any kind of you know film festival or yeah, any, yeah. Well, any business? Yeah, sure. I guess I'm just what I'm saying is mm-hmm. that like it's like there's a level of you know like 
you know, um, everything feels like a lottery. So you go to an event like this and everybody is like, where are you going tonight? Are you, what party are you oh, going yeah, to? Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Because yeah. everybody feels like that. It's that one connection that they might get that'll like, that that might, you know, um, mm-hmm. land them something. Like the mm-hmm. difference between success and failure is so thin. And people are holding on to these little tension. In any case, the point is the, the world, this, this world is not good. But it's also like, it's one of the few things that I can define as a community that I'm a part of. Yeah. I mean, there's the yeah. political stuff I yeah. do, which has an organic culture. And then like in the lockdown particularly, I don't know about you, but I just like, oh, you know, like I do hate going to gallery openings where it's like everyone's like seems like they're um, they're like yeah. waiting for the waiting for the, yeah. the better person to come yeah, along. Right. Um, and I'd rather just get a beer with with the people I like and respect. But then I'm also kind of like, what else do I have? You know, it's no, a compromised, I- corrupt world, but it's where you go to meet some people who might share interest with you based yeah. on oh for sure for sure for sure um yeah i mean i'm just saying that you know i particularly respond to your work i find it more thoughtful or how it i like how it um kind of gets to you know social issues and and human issues and stuff like that and i don't i don't see a lot of that do you do you feel that way when you read a lot of art writing? Uh, I yeah, mean, I mean, you, it's it's kind, like, it, our world's kind of superficial. Little, <laughs> you it think is, so? <laughs> right? That's what we're saying, um, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it uh-huh. is. I mean, um, that's what we're saying. It's superficial. It is, but I don't. Yeah, it's not all superficial. It's just the pro- the problem with art it's is that the, there's so much money in it. it. Yeah, that I mean, sure, um, and. Uh, I mean, it's too much money and not enough. I mean, yeah, most right. people are working for free. Um, right. But uh, look, I, I also just try and be honest to, um, I guess I just always think that you should be a whole person, you know? Right. And I think there's just a lot of performance going on. That, right. Like, the political people perform like that's all that cares. That, that, right. That, right. That, that cares to them. The party people uh uh, you know, we'll put on a face like, you know, they're, they're, like nothing matters to them mm-hmm. because that, that, that place is cool. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that those are kind of pathologies that, that, that people develop and that isolates people from one another. And mm-hmm. I just think mm-hmm. you should really try and be like somebody who you, who, who's, who cares about the world and mm-hmm. um, cares about injustice and, you know, uh, every, what, mm-hmm. what's wrong and tries to make a contribution to um, moving the ball forward. I think that's one of the definitions wow. of a meaningful human life. But part of that, but also is like admits, you know, just like I, at the end of the day, like I also need to just like binge watch some TV. Yeah, right. I, 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 like, <laughs> I like to have a drink. You know, I like to, to you know, I, I, um, I am happy to embarrass myself on the dance floor. I mean, all, the, all these <laughs> things. And I just think it's like that's the model of a whole human person right. who can talk to people. And I mean, I, I, my insecurities so, about, about that, about my, my self, my life are, 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 are manifold. But I mean, I think that, I, I don't know. I mean, okay. that's, that's sort of what I think about uh, the mix of things. I write so about. I'm going to say that, um, you have integrity, but you're not going to judge other people. <laughs> okay. Um, sure. I mean, I'll right. say with the, I mean, I guess that sort of judging other people is what, is, the, is what, is what the guy was it. 
It was what a critic, but critic but, is. I no, was, but I mean, I'm talking about individuals. I'm not talking about, you know, like this particular, you're judging people well, who wouldn't, but you know what I'm saying? But well, I think on an individual basis, you're open, you're curious, and like, you're not looking, you're not like you don't agree with me or I'm better than you because I get that, you know, well, I get it. I get it. A theme, it. A theme of the you're book. pretty a theme, humble guy. A theme of the book, a theme of the new book um, is, well, I mean, I think that our, our political culture and our cultural politics are really training people not to listen to each other. Well, yeah, you're right about that. And, and, and to um, listen for like really superficial signifiers of agreement and jargon. And um, I think that's consciously and unconsciously a plot to divide people who mainly agree on 99% of things. Yeah. And yeah. that, and that, you know, our criticism is not worth almost anything. You know, mm. it's just like, it's a trivial, you know, you can't, you, you you couldn't say with a straight face that in the event of a zombie apocalypse, you'd be first pick on anybody's <laughs> team. I think about that a lot. But, um, but like, as much as it counts for something, it's just kind of like, I think modeling a way of thinking where it's like, you try and figure out how somebody, an artist, a cultural producer makes sense of the world. Uh-huh. And then you try and figure out whether it worked, whether they succeeded mm-hmm. in their thing. Mm-hmm. But you have to have the first step. I mean, you can't right. you can't come at it from the outside. Right. Well, That's this is well put. you know I don't you know I, I don't you know I'm, I'm not a painting guy. So no, this I sucks, think you know? I think that you give everything you know uh, thoughtful consideration. I do. Most things fail on the. That's the thing. Most people think that like oh, if you take into account um, the artist's uh, intention, what they were trying to do then they always succeed. That's what people think. It's like a model for a permissive form mm. of um, of art writing. The thing is that most people f- fail on their own terms. That's yeah. that's the thing. Most people yeah. step the goal, I wanted to paint a beautiful picture. Most people don't succeed. <laughs> that. I no, that's to- an excellent point. That is really funny. That is really funny. There's a comedy bit in there, you know, for sure. Um, so I want to find out how you got to be the Ben you are today because it sounds like, so where, like, because you... I I do see you as an outlier in certain way, um, and uh, you know I've met I know I know I've I've had my conversations with uh, art critics. I used to uh, do uh, gallery beat actually with mm-hmm. Paul. Yeah, I've I've done it. I've been there. Um, I seem to remember you uh, performing out, uh, in front of the Scope Art Fair back in the day. You remember yeah. that? Oh, yeah, me? yeah, I sure you do. Remember that? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, where I went around. It's a video online. You guys could see it. Uh, where I'm going. That was back when I was writing about art fairs. Yeah. Oh, wow. That was so funny. What I did was I went around and I asked everybody at the art fair. We made a video. I had a great, my videographer, editor, who's now working on reality TV, uh, went around saying, my, finding work that my kid could have done that, and then finding actual kids who <laughs> and what they liked. And I actually wound up really like, I'm just going to say, I made a really fucked up situation happen because um, one of the major people, donors, money people, actually has like um, a learning disabled son who had work in the fair and I, I made, I didn't know. Wow, that's amazing. That. So that's such a great example of, of the thing is that like you, I mean, for, there is a lot of stuff that you're just like, come on, you put how much effort into this, you yeah. know, but you always do have to check your check your homework. There you was know? one guy who made uh, fake cheese sculptures and the kids all love that the best. They like, I like uh, the cheese. I like the cheese. Yeah, man, I used to, you know, long, long ago, I mean, maybe the way I kind of got my start, 
um, talked about art was I, I was a docent at the Walker Art Center. Oh, wow. In the, in, in the Twin Cities, which is where I went to college. And I was a docent for children specifically. Oh, wow. So, that must have been um, great. The, yeah. And the Walker's really heady, you know. Walker's it's, it's, Art Center is a great place, folks. It's yeah. a lot of, it's a lot of um, conceptual stuff. They got a lot of minimalism and, and uh, you know, really, um, mm-hmm. really like high concept stuff. So it was like, you know, a challenge to figure out how to like explain it to kids and the, the art work that they always liked best was Robert Rauschenberg. They they were like, it's it's such a beautiful mess. That's what they saw. Like, look at, look at how messy and exciting that was. It really, really does change the way you... I, mean, I always look at Rauschenberg more positively. Oh, yeah. That's so interesting. I'm glad to hear that. That will I will definitely look at the work again in a fresh way. So let's get back to Ben. Ben, where did you grow up? Um, I'm from Seattle originally. Um and but my I grew up on a on a sailboat. Um, on a sailboat? Are you serious? Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> maybe explain mean some like- th- explain some things about me. My my instead of a house, my this is a kind of pretty common Seattle thing. Uh, my parents okay. had a um lived on a sailboat at, at um Golden Gardens in Seattle. And um, when I was in fourth grade, my sister was in sixth grade. Um, my parents decided that as long as they lived on a boat. And they had a bunch of vacation saved up that they would go sailing on the boat. And they got to the end of the period when they had would have had to go back to work. And they decided, you know, this is this is good for our kids. We're going to homeschool them and keep keep okay. sailing. So um, I was really uh, sort of homeschooled or went to a variety of different schools and, until their savings ran out and we sailed back to Seattle when I was 17 time for me to start junior year and um, that's a holy shit that's a holy shit story Ben oh my god wait I gotta process this that's crazy in all my therapy my 20 years of being a therapist I've never heard a pretending to be a therapist I've never heard a story like that so um did you have brothers and sisters how many kids were there two so I have a younger sister um, Lily, um, who I'm really close to. I mean, we hated each other at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, we're like probably, um, best friends now. And, uh, and, uh, you know, it was close quarters and, uh, she was the other student in class with me. Most of the time. Wow. And then you had another, so it was just the two of you then? Just the two of us, yeah. Oh, okay. So can you, I can't picture four people living on a sailboat, like, was it a really big sailboat? Like, I don't know much about it, but it's just, were you, what was no. that like? Were you in really <laughs> tight quarters? Were you traveling? Like, what was that fucking, I can't even. Uh, it's a catch, it, it was a, a sea biscuit. It was a catch 45, meaning 45 uh, foot long, two masted boat. Um, no, I, I had a little berth and my sister slept in the, 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 the bow and my parents were in the back and there was a kitchen between. And um, I don't know, there was a whole, there's a whole, Groups of people, you know, mainly retirees and um, people with kids, uh, like my parents, who are kind of trying to shield them from the world. And they travel as a as a tribe and mm-hmm. and um, school each other. It's probably changed a lot now with like mm-hmm. satellite, satellite internet and stuff. Um, and I guess that was a very international crew. You know, you had, mm-hmm. you had so were there like other families that you were hanging out with? Sure, yeah, and we had a good. Other 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 cruisers they call them and you'd you travel together and you know to avoid pirates and, and such Seriously? like and such like that. Did and you go? Did you travel? Like, did you were you traveling all the time? Did you did you see the world? 
Um, we started in, um, we started in Seattle. Um, my parents sort of made their big decision and we were in Mexico on the Baja Peninsula. And then we went, uh, down through Costa Rica, um, and passed through Panama just before the U S invasion of Panama. So we were in Colombia for operation just cause when, um, and passed through the, I think it was the first coup against Noriega. There was smoke rising above uh, Panama City. Wow. I remember as we passed through the canal the first time um, and lived in Cartagena, Colombia for my fifth grade, went to a bilingual school there. Um, so you lived in the boat, like they docked the boat and then you'd just live on the boat and hang out? Oh, you, you, you harbor the boat. So you either oh. anchor in a harbor or you okay. um, dock the boat. Um, but you and, lived on the boat. Yeah, you're on the boat. I mean, yeah. you're on the boat. And and as a matter of fact, a, a lot of the time that we were traveling, we were in Panama because the boat broke and, and they needed to save up money to mm-hmm. fix the boat. And you, the boat was not even in the water. You're just, you're living mm-hmm. in the boat off, mm-hmm. off the ground and, mm-hmm. and so on. So, um, so you, did you get to see a lot of the world though? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I we, we saw a lot of the, South Pacific, we sailed back um, from Panama by way of Easter Island, which is really out of the way. Yeah. Um, it's a 30-day passage from mm-hmm. from, you, the, from you the Galapagos. saw a lot of different cultures. Uh, yeah, you know, you're raised around a lot of different people. Um, you meet a lot of different, really interesting people, both on other boats and, and places you visit. Um, Was it dangerous? Was it scary at all? Yeah, I mean, like, we we like got what? we we nearly lost the boat to whales. We nearly whales hit a, hit a reef. We were chased by pirates. Yeah, you you it was it was like real chased real boat pirates? life. Pirates, yeah, sure, with like guns and shit. Well, they didn't catch us, so who 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 knows? Wow, and but that's I, why you travel in a crew. You know, you depend on a, uh, you depend on a community. You depend on a community, oh, um, and mm-hmm, you create your own mm-hmm. you create your own community. You know, and and uh, I think that's a good um, so, so model, and maybe you know influences you know. Uh, you know the way I think about a lot of things. You know, I I can I can I can't imagine. I can't, it's beyond me. It's beyond me. But uh, so your parents sound like um, interest. So like, what are what are they like? Like what? That's just craziness. I mean, really. I mean, the the risk and the courage, really, to to live life like that like what did they do what were they are they around still do you are you close to them and stuff like that did you have a good relationship with them yeah i did i mean i have always um been very um i'm the conciliatory one uh my sister's more headstrong uh they uh um uh i have a great relationship with them they i think you know, you're a teenager, you get to be 16 or 17, you've been homeschooled for a long time, you feel like a weirdo who doesn't know how to communicate with people. Mm. And I was, by the end of the whole thing, you know, you're really hungry to get to a place where you have some stability and have some peers. Um, and, you know, something I always think about is going back to, to, to normal school. Um, to to Roosevelt High School in Seattle and having, observing other kids who'd gone through, who are the same cohort, my peers who'd gone through um, 
you know, years of, of schooling together and had this common cultural language. And I just remember really just seeing at that time, like just body language and phrases and stuff that people shared in common that I didn't have access to. Mm. Like you, you could really, you know, cultural references, like you could really see, I think, um, you know, the, the culture that this kind of, you know, glue of references that people mm. had picked up and how people communicated through them. And I remember like feeling like I had to like learn that, like kind of like, mm. kind of like a language or learn how people, um, how people, you know, uh, caught each other's attention and mm-hmm. stuff like that. I, I just think about that a lot because I think that there's some, you know, uh, the ideal is, uh, of art writing is you find the thing that's going to last forever. You know, it's like this timeless, you- timeless culture, mm-hmm. but that's not the, the only function of culture art making. Um, some of it is just, you know, a common language of symbols that people mm-hmm. communicate through in the present that like mm-hmm. gives you something to talk mm-hmm. about with other people mm-hmm. like that, that, mm-hmm. that allows people to, to be in community. So when you, sorry, Andrew, did, when, did you wind up making friends? So you went to, you went to high school in Seattle. Is that what happened? Like your parents, either they ran out of money or you needed to, you wanted to settle down. Did they move to a house? Or? I think they just thought it was time to, time to, for to bring you. us back yeah. before you turned into total weirdos. Yeah. And so you settled down in a house or something. Yeah, sure. My parents still live in yeah. Seattle. Uh, so, so um, my dad worked at the University what was of Washington. that? What was what was that like um, transitioning? Um, you yeah. were like from a foreign country that didn't really exist, almost. <laughs> uh, uh, like, yeah, it's a very a specific subculture of, like, of twenty of, people or of something. people that maybe yeah, like maybe twenty other people totally speak. So, what was it like when you, uh, assuming you know, you wanted maybe maybe you like girls and shit like that? Wanted, <laughs> yeah, it's ma- tough, you know. Like drink, it's, or, it's tough. And uh, um, so, what was that like going back into the world? Well, I mean, it's it's yeah, it's like it's like kind of learning. Um, a foreign language uh, when you're when you're 17, you know, mm-hmm. that's what it's like. And uh, I think, I think in general, I, it's a good it's a good experience, and I sort of um, defend it as a you know. I, I think that you know, there's a certain good thing about uh, independence of mind and mm-hmm. and uh, not. And I think, yeah, I basically think every kid should get to skip, <laughs> skip middle school. It's the no, worst time no, of your life. No, uh, I mean, I but mean, I think I, that you should go back. I think you do need you do need to have that common language and be able to mm-hmm. learn to have peers, talk but, to peers, and and well, uh, so wasn't was it like? Um, did you like how were you, how were you t- treated? Did you feel like you fit in? Were you made fun of? Like what? How did you? How did how did you fit in? Like what was uh, yeah. what was the experience like on an emotional level, Ben? Well, I mean, it's like, horrible. Look, here, here, here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing. The 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 junior, junior year when I started again was just horrible. You know, you felt like an alien. People probably thought you were an alien. Um, uh, you know, you just didn't know basic things about being on uh, around around other people. Um, between but uh, my mother had um always made sure that my sister and i did community theater um oh, while we were in we didn't know this. while we were in panama we so some theater uh, in here. my high school had a very um good theater program oh. hashtag support the arts and um between my junior and senior years they, we 
got picked to do a musical at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. And I really, really? I met all my closest friends from that time period through wow. theater. And I think that, you know, that that's really, again, you know, a good, the role of the role of, of art and the broad, it's brought a sense in kind of like giving people a community and uh, is, is something that, that, you know, sticks with me. For so me. you were able to find your people pretty, I mean, I'm going to say pretty quickly. I, I, well, yeah, I guess, you know, I guess so. And um, and uh, did you get any girls then? <laughs> no, it's never been my specialty. Really. Never been your specialty. <laughs> but you have one now. You have a. I just want you guys because I asked before he got on, and he has a girlfriend um, who is also an art writer. Like that, we really that we have a lot of. You, I mean, you were just saying about her her last article that she wrote about the biennial. Just let's give her a shout out. What did she? Sure. Write? Yeah. Everyone should read Chloe Weimer's. Uh, uh, a piece for the art forum about the Venice Bien- art forum Biennale. It's really, yeah. it's really good. Um, mm-hmm. Searching, uh, entertaining, mm-hmm. and insightful. I'm biased, of course, but mm-hmm. um, how long have you guys been together? We've been together for, um, you know, depends <laughs> depends on what point you measure measure from. I mean, we've known each what other. What would she say? We, we know each other for 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 uh, a decade now. We met at we met at, we both were working at an art magazine. Oh. Or an art website that's now defunct called Art Info 10 years ago. Oh, yeah. So, um, what was I going to say? It took me See, a little ben while. To, a, uh, ben, guys, Ben is capable of having a real relation, an intimate relationship. <laughs> so, that's a sure sign okay. of health, mental health. Don't worry too much about me. Um, no, I'm not. Are you uh, kidding? Radio you're getting free Brooklyn to get listeners. You? No, I'm not worried about you at all. Are you kidding? National writer gets to travel all the places and shit like that um so were your parents supportive like when you were going through what you're going through in high school i imagine and your sister also i mean as a girl girls are horrible they're so mean that must have been difficult for you guys in some way at least in the beginning dealing with the other kids and were your parents supportive how did they manage that uh my parents have a very particular style of parenting which is that they let us do whatever we wanted as long as when we came home, we uh, stuck our head in to uh, tell them that we were home and fine. And I think this is a great method. It instills it. Uh, it instills a super ego in the child without um, without um, provoking the rebellion that comes with. with, uh, with uh, uh, so you were really on your own. Well, they, I think saying. my parents just, we were raised, I mean, look, I was homeschooled for a really long time. I mean, my, oh, my parents right. and I have a, have a very, you know, understand each other pretty well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's even hard to, ima- to imagine, like, but you, so you don't have a lot of conflicts with them? Me and my parents, uh, not, not did really. Did you I mean, growing I, up? Uh, no, I didn't. That's my sister. You what, know, I, what did, what did she, what would she fight about? Well, you know, uh, uh limits rules and restrictions things they didn't want her to do you know and wanted to did you ever say did you ever feel like i'm sick of this fucking boat when are we going when are we going back to see it when are we getting off yeah, this yeah. boat did you ever say when are we going home i don't I know i ever honest. said that i think i just felt that you know you're a teenager you're full you're full of angst you you know right. you want to you want to uh meet uh girls you know it's like uh um you meet you know we we huh. met People, you know, yeah, and you I develop a complex about um, not being too attached to things because uh, oh, yeah. they're all gonna they're all gonna go away. You know, they're gonna you're gonna move on. Uh, yeah, you're gonna sail on. <laughs> so, um, what did your parents do for a living? 
Uh, my dad's a computer programmer at the University of Washington, and uh, my mom's a uh, engineer. Oh, so they're obviously intelligent, educated people that made wow. They sound really adventurous and interesting. Sure, you wouldn't. That- I mean, they're very. Um, uh, you know, they're. I think. You know, they're not. They're not hippies. They're. They're. Uh, that's what people always think uh, when I tell them the boat story. They're. They're. They're very. Um, Thoughtful. They're very conscious. Uh, thoughtful. You know, they're very. They're, they just. They just have a, a streak in them where they. They will. Um, they will just take a sudden jump. So when they retired, for instance, they retired in the Peace Corps and spent two years in Paraguay. Wow. Are uh, you kidding? They must be so physically fit too, right? That's what I'm like going, <laughs> wow, how can they do that? How can they do all that shit? Yeah, I don't know. Do, do, do um, what was I going to say? So they might, yeah, they must be like pretty fucking healthy. Um, so, oh, this is what I want to ask you, sailing. So what's your take on sailing? Do you love sailing? Do you still sail? I do, but I cannot sail, no. You can, I, did I, you ever I, sail the boat? Well, we crewed the boat. But the thing is, uh, you want to get psychoanalytic and uh, uh, talk about uh, uh, parent stuff. Um, that, you know, I, I, my dad, my parents are both, um, science people. My sister's a computer scientist. Um, and, uh, I have done mostly things that my dad doesn't, you know, <laughs> I, I, uh, you know, I can't drive for instance, cause my dad, my dad's, you know, a mechanic. So, um, I just, uh, it's just, it's just you know you you, you specialize in, in in what carves out your own uh, identity. You're, I suppose. You're, you're, so so do you think that because you didn't have a lot of you're kind of like a what do they call it a, a Skinner it's a little bit of a Skinner box situation <laughs> um, because you didn't have a lot of outside influences. So do you think that you were able to understand what you were particularly interested in and develop that without a lot of outside? You know, well, I don't know. I mean, I think that we, we were homeschooled, so we read a lot growing up. Um, mm-hmm. It's just my friend Astra Taylor, who, uh, you know, uh, she also has a blurb on the book. Um, she was unschooled, you know, which uh, means she, I was homeschooled. I did a course, really? correspondence course. She was unschooled, meaning her parents just let her, them do uh, whatever you want. Um, my parents didn't go that far. But one of the things she, she wrote an essay about it and said that I really identified with is that when you go to an actual school, reading becomes a chore. And your reading slows down a lot. Ah, interesting. And if, but if you're a kid who's just like, here, read whatever you want, you just soak up books, you know? Oh, you just, mm-hmm. um, and that was how it was for me, you know? We just, you just oh, read, so- read everything. Um, and then, you know, you go to high school and then suddenly everything's like, uh, um, yeah, you're getting graded on it. And, and, uh, yeah. And it, and it's sort of like the teachers are forced to. So, so reading is something which is probably why you are such an articulate writer because reading is something that sounds like something that you're really, that was, that was kind of like a main way of learning or. I, I, I guess, uh, I don't know. You know, I got a lot of rewards for writing. Lot. I mean, I, yeah. I, 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 I wrote a lot. I kept a journal growing up, oh, wow. uh, a daily journal, you know, really? I, I drew comic books uh, that my parents were very supportive of. I, um, you know, when I was, went to, you know, there's a time in Panama. I went to a military school. I wrote for the paper there. I remember wow. the, uh, the, you know, the editor being really 
supportive it's just you get positive feedback and you're drawn you're drawn mm-hmm. to you're drawn to and that. you weren't forced like did you do math did you do things were you did your parents make you do things that you weren't as talented at or that interested in like did you have to learn math and shit did sure i'm right? just not very good at math it's, it's, you had to learn it though. um yeah i mean you, uh we, we we did a correspondence course so it had all the right all we did at calvert homeschool um, so they didn't just make up whatever they wanted. There's a well, there were times they were, you know, there there was a period there when it was mm-hmm. just kind of like boat learning where it's like the mm-hmm. people from different boats uh, uh, give the subject that mm-hmm. they teach the subject that they're most comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's how we got sex ed from a nurse on another boat. Oh, that's you know? <laughs> cool. What about um, socializing? Yeah. What about friends? What did you have any consistent friends growing up? Like I had a best friend for years and years. We traveled with another boat um, that had a, uh, you know, the reason why we left is my parents had friends on another boat. That I had a friend my age. Uh, so, um, and I'm still friends with, with Luke. Yeah. I was going to um, ask you that. Uh, he's, he's still back in Seattle, but um but you know you didn't have a lot of friends mm-hmm. you mainly hung out with adults mhm mhm wow so did you ever think i wish i had more friends did you ever think i wish i had more friends we had a baseball we could run out and have a baseball game or something like that or no because i i can't play sports oh <laughs> that's a good that's 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 yeah me either. and that my dad and i share in common ah <laughs> ah so, um, what about your sister? Did she have um, any challenges as far as like going back into to? Does she have a similar relationship? Like you seem to have a very um, the relationship you have with your parents seems pretty seems you know very mature, really like you know very respect mutual respect. Um, and he's shaking his head. Yeah, uh, but do do you think your sister had that? too or like i just can't i mean i just can't fathom how people like they did like it seemed to have worked out it's a weird thing that you're putting in front of that i'm hearing and it seemed to have worked yeah, out you're really well. interested in my, in my no uh, but i wonder my, about uh, your sister uh well my sister um i think maybe is a slightly more uh, uh rebellious one um but uh, look she's does she, she ever move s- back to seattle like a year ago and it you know, mm-hmm. she has two kids, lives near my parents, uh, so, and, you know, sees them all the time. And, and, uh, oh. I think, uh, I think, you know, we have, we, we my, it's really, it's a good family. I have, I, I mean, yeah. You have really good, yeah. You have I a, think so. Yeah. Did your sister ever say, I want to get off the boat? Um, I don't, I remember fighting with my sister a lot, uh, like, oh. like cats and dogs, but, um, uh-huh. Uh, uh, but uh, you know, I'm I'm sure I'm 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 sure she had the exact the same kinds of feelings. Well, we only have 45 seconds, so I'm going to say thank you so much for being here. You should check out Ben's book, Art in the After Culture. Look him up, Ben A. Davis, benadavis.com. Don't forget to get your cancer screening, guys. That's free at 718-250. Go check out RadioFreeBrooklyn.org and come to my show tonight at the City Reliquary, okay? It's 370 Metropolitan Avenue. Starts 7 p.m. Uh, it's going to be so fun. We've got two big comedians, an artist. I'm going to be doing... Thir-